Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahirrahmanirrahim. the name of Allah, most gracious, most merciful. Assalamu alaikum. In this episode of the House of Wisdom podcast, we're going to speak about we are people who have no cultural principles. Principles are the element that connect the people to a central reasoning. People's established a people's identity. This is what principles do. They establish your identity, not your skin tone or your melanated identity, as you, many would call it. Identity is not skin. It's the mind and heart, the soul of a people. The whole has no skin tone or no flesh. It has no physical elements that attach it to this physical reality. It is an independent makeup. It has its own makeup. When we speak of soul, but we have to ha- we have to add principles to it. That's what make up the soul. So this is the aspect of our programming today, in terms of spiritual sight or spiritual insight of the soul. Spiritual sight lies in the understanding of that existence. It was, which it was given in. All while the universe is physical, yet unseen due to its darkness, even with the luminous sun and the stars bright light and the moon's reflections reflective light the universe is dark meaning unseen by the sight of man making it subject to natural laws and principles manifested as creation many say the universe but our ancestors never spoke this word our ancestors never said universe when they looked up into the sky They didn't say universe. When they look up into this atmosphere, they they called it heaven due to all the stars, the sun, and the moon. This was their ideal of heaven at that time. It was a metaphor for the principles that they examined. The word universe is derived from the old French word, universe, which turn is derived from the Latin word universum, which means all together, while in Entire collective and general concepts literally turned or combined into one. The etymology of the word in prefix is uni, meaning one. The root is verse, meaning word, making universe as one word, spoken by the first cause of its to its beginning. The prime mover, which is also referred to as the word, is a concept meaning the universe. But if we look at the Bible, we see it begins in Genesis. It begins with, in the beginning was the word. So therefore, we can see how this translation, universe, became part of that terminology. But again, we're talking about a Latin word, which was also has a foundation in Greek uh, language. And in this language, the transmission of one language to another took place in changing one understanding to another. So when we took the word, uh, you could say, heaven and turned it and used the word universe, we actually gave it a physical meaning, not a spiritual one. So therefore, the concept of spirit and physical reality became distinctive in this word or distinguished from this word. The word is a logos, which means intelligence, reason of mind, or consciousness. 
Understand how truth has been concealed through this word. Hidden, but not destroyed, because truth cannot be destroyed. Truth can only be concealed, which is hidden from the understanding of man. Other words, you hide truth by not allowing a person's mind to develop. If you feed them false information or incorrect information, and then you have actually been successful in concealing truth from them because now all they believe in is the false information. So you have deceived them. So truth can be hidden through deception. The universe as we call it today in physical form, yet it's a form that is unseen. We see stars, we see sun, we see the moon, we see the gases, but we still don't see the universal form. The universal form is tied up into its principles and laws, which we don't see. We don't see the laws of mathematics, but we can calculate the laws of mathematics once we learn what they are. You don't see algebra. You just see the manifestations of algebra. You don't see geometry. You see the manifestations of geometry. But you see them in their principles. But you have to also understand them in those principles in order to develop them. But we still have to... Uh, go further, we see the collective agreement of which is seen. The laws and principles that govern this existence is unseen. This means that the universe is a physical creation and this gives credence that this is the lower plane of knowledge, the below. While the heaven, unseen, is the higher plane, the above. So a distinctive understanding of these two planes, spiritual and physical, is a must. Many oftentimes manifest the spiritual through as the physical or see the physical as the spiritual and vice versa. This is a Greek uh, methodology, not a, a natural one that our ancestors have developed. They were purely rooted in their own terminologies. Spirit to them was one in their practice. Whatever they did in practice was a spiritual relationship to them. Otherwise, applying the principles that they discovered. Since the human being exists in the lower plane of the material universe due to their material form, which is part of this material universe, made up of elements which compose of atoms and constitute neutrons, protons, and electrons, all of which give duality to creative existence, not the creator. This gives reality to creative existence, but it does not give reality to the creator, for he is not of these elements. He is above them, making human beings or human unlike the creator. Many say that the creator or man is like God because of their relationship with these principles and laws. But God is not these principles and laws. God instituted these principles and laws. He is above these principle laws. These laws do not govern him. He governs creation through these laws or instilling these laws into creation. The first composition of the universe is hydrogen, not energy. Many you have many, many people think about how energy transcends and how energy is connected to all that's in the universe. But energy did not come first. Energy came after hydrogen. Hydrogen uh, is before energy. While human beings are focused on knowledge to be the key to their self-consciousness, they fail to reason rational logic in their analysis of self, which is wisdom. This is the wise dome. The wise dome is the knowledge of understanding. 
You cannot make your knowledge known if you have no understanding, so therefore you have no wisdom. Governed by ethical and moral principles is to know and reflect on truth. So therefore, our knowledge and our understanding has to be governed by ethical and moral principles to reflect the truth. If you do not have morality or moral principles and ethical principles in your rational mindset or your knowledge, then you will never be able to reflect the accurate truth. One cannot know themselves just by, just by reading history, but by studying the linguistics of language, its etymology, its phonology, and its esoteric form, many misunderstanding or many misunderstand the knowledge that they are complete in their information because they lack the understanding of these other sciences or these other principles. Science and mathematics of numerology explains the science to develop a balanced understanding of symbols. Science or the laws and principles, the mathematics come in the numerology, which is the science of algebra and geometry, or the science of mathematics is what numerology is, not the actual symbols of numbers. Algebraic signs are not seen by those who know them, not, and the geometric symbols are not known by those who only see the literal form. When we speak of geometry, we're talking about geometry is what gives things its shape, its form. Algebra is what gives it its makeup, its principles. And so therefore, when you use both these signs or both these, these uh, uh, sciences, they give us or develop or create the form in which we now focus on. When we look at the existence of the creator as it relates to the human soul, we see a consciousness in the human being, an inner light telling us that there is a higher being over us. This instinctive quality is embedded in the nature of our created nature. This quality is the connection of our natural relationship with the creator. Allah says in Quran, Surah 52 or chapter 52, Verses or ayat 35 and 36 or were they created without a creative agency or are they the creator of their own souls or did they create the heaven and the earth and we see from this verse right here that man or the human being is unlike the creator because he had no one, he really don't fully comprehend all the knowledge of this creation because he doesn't have all the knowledge. And two, he had nothing to do with creating it because he did not exist. And if thou ask them in chapter 43, verse 9, it states, And if thou ask them who created the heavens and the earth, they would say the Almighty, the All-Knowing One has created them. So we see just from this verse here that instinctively and intuitively and unconsciously and consciously they will say, God created all these things. Not them. They won't say, oh, I created it. They're going to say God created it. The creator created all this. So that in itself tells you that they are not like God. Yet they say they are. They are those who say they are God-like. And some even say that they are God. Yet and still they can't tell you how the creation was created and nor what elements went into creating the uh, uh, creation and how when these elements came to came combined or came into form or came together, how did it truly manifest the kind of creation that it has? How did it know to make the sun round? 
How do they know to give the star five points as we hit? Because when the star, when you look up in the sky, it really doesn't have five points. Okay? But that's something that we give it in our symbol. So we gave the symbol of the star five points. But we're going to continue. It says, I wrote, this is what they would say that God created them. Just see even in the unconscious state of mind, we bear witness into the existence of the creator, whether we believe or not believe. So whether you believe in God or don't believe in God, instinctively and intuitively, as Allah said in the Quran, willingly and unwillingly, all will submit. Submit here does not mean obey God. Submit here means that you will acknowledge that there are principles that govern this creation that you have no knowledge of. So you surrender to that fact, to that idea, to that concept. So that shows that you are not the authority of creation. It just shows that you was given authority to rule in creation for your benefit, for the benefit of your growth, for the benefit of implementing the principles and laws that God gave man to develop himself with, to be harmonious, and just like the rest of creation. Everything is in harmony with each other. Everything depends on each other. Everything helps each other. And most people, when they speak of energy, they speak of energy in this format. The energy is ongoing and it's connected to everything. And so Allah says in the Quran, whether believe this or not, this instinctive quality is evident in the Quran. In chapter 56, verse 85, it states, we are nearer to it, the soul, than you. Allah stating here that he is nearer to your soul than you are. And again, in chapter 50, verse 16, Allah says, we are nearer to him than his life vein. Again, Allah said, he's nearer to you than your own life vein. The ideal that the creator is nearer to man than his own soul or self shows that consciousness of the existence of the creator in the human soul is even clearer than the conscience of his own existence. The question is, how is this consciousness of existence of God so clear that men still deny the existence of God? That is the question. Your nature manifests and holds the truth of God's existence, but your mind, your undeveloped mind, your weak mind, your lack of knowledge in mind, or your misunderstanding of the knowledge of mind in, under, in that mind shows in itself that God is greater than your existence and that you are unclear about your own existence. So therefore, you cannot possibly comprehend the existence of the creator. <laughs> they make idols. They infer themselves as God or man as a God. This is what people do. They'll either make God idols for worship. They'll infer themselves as a God or man as a God. Well, once we understand that the inner light within human nature becomes illuminated with truth, that nature becomes enlightened, making the consciousness of existence of God an awakening for those who are seeking that awakening. For other cases where one is only seeking knowledge and not the awakening of truth, this impress upon them that they are awakened despite a gain of level of knowledge. So despite the fact that they gained a level of knowledge, they are not in the awakening state, the conscious state that helps them to see things in a higher manner. They're on a lower plane, so they only see the manifestations of the material 
material processes and principles that they can see with the naked eye. Some call it the third eye, but even then, that third eye is not fully and completely developed because if it did, they would bow down and not say that they are God. If they did, they would see God above that third eye. They would see God above the understanding of what they perceive in that third eye. Let's put it that way. So again, to impress they are not awoken despite gain or a level of knowledge, this awakening symbolizes the manifestation of conscious thought. So when a person truly does become awakened in the understanding of the principles and laws that God had, in, in, you could say, manifested or imploded into creation, that's the awakening when you understand those laws. Then you bow down, you surrender, you submit, and then you understand, hey, there is no God but God. There is nothing greater than him, not even the human consciousness. Because if the human consciousness was great, then why does it have a need to grow? Why does it have a need to learn? Why does it have a need to go from one stage of development to another stage of development, one level to another? God is all-knowing. He don't have stages. He's omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent. He's everywhere at all times and knows all things. That is not man, nor is man like that. Man has to learn. He has to learn. And then man is inspired. God is not inspired. Oh, does he get inspired? God is the inspirator. He gives inspiration. He doesn't receive it. He doesn't need it. An example of the awakening of conscious thought and gaining knowledge on a level is, is believing in the unseen creator or start stating unbelief by saying God is not a spook. To imply that unseen means ghosts. Not so. For there are many focus, forces in nature that are unseen. But we believe in their existence. Like energy. You don't see energy. But you believe in its existence. You don't see your spiritual nature. But you believe in its existence. You don't see speed. But you believe in its existence. You don't see magnetism. But you believe in its existence. You don't see gravity. But you believe in its existence. You don't see light. But you believe in the consistent. You don't see light. You see things because of light. How do we know this? Because here light travels at a speed of 196,000 miles per square inch. So therefore, there is no possible way that your eyes can see that, that, that at that faster rate. So therefore, your eye only sees what light illuminates. Again, you don't see hydrogen, but it exists. So why cannot the creator exist if these physical, and these are physical elements, they exist, but they're unseen to the naked eye. You have microorganisms living on your skin right now. You don't see them, but they exist. And you know about them when you see the dead skin, but they existed. When your body dies and it begins to decay, you find microorganisms begin to grow and they turn into little worms. They exist in the body, but you don't see them. So therefore, the existence of God is not dependent on the actual seeing with the physical eye. That is not how you are supposed to see them. Because there are many things that are physical that you don't see with this eye. Many, many laws and principles that you don't see with this eye. Until it is manifested for the eye to see. So to properly investigate research and understand history, which will also aid us in comprehending the science and mathematics of our existence. One must understand these sciences 
which are the archaeology, ethnology, geology, philology, ethnology, and the linguistics of recorded time of these ancient ages of primal origin and the beginning of civilization is a must. So in order to stand, understand all of these aspects, you have to understand the science of all these things, the ethnology, the ethnology, the geology, the philology, the archaeology, the ethnology, and so much more that has to be understood in these fields of science in order to get a broad and proper perspective of your created nature and being, as well as your cultural one. We're going to go into that in a few seconds, in a few minutes here, as we go move towards the historical aspect of our existence. We see, without the foundation of this knowledge, if not one will be lost in the world of contradictions in modern books from an ethnological perspective, ethnological perspective, excuse me, we'll get confused because we're reading modern books, but so many, archae so many archaeologists, scientists, uh, uh, historians who teach our ancestors history, they have not actually read our ancestors history. They've read someone else's works on it. And they read it from a Greek perspective because they're using Greek language to understand it. Anytime when you use, when you translate one symbol, which language are, to another, you take away or you add because not all words can be translated into another language. It just cannot. And so therefore, when you study your ancestors' history in English, Latin, or in the Greek form of language, you're, you're missing something. And it's in that missing something that you do not get the complete picture or the accurate picture. When we look at the origins of civilization, we see that the European scholars of anthropology, sociology, and history gave their comparative analysis or analogies and have attached their ideals on our ancestors' way of life and worship formed it as a religion. It is from these writers that we have most of our written information and knowledge of our ancestors' culture, language, and worship of their spiritual practices. Some of these European scholars, or Greek scholars as we, as we should call them, have not even been to the land of our ancestors to even confirm or verify that what they write and what they wrote, which has led to a lot of false analysis and misinterpretations and misrepresentations and interpolations and meaning, meaningless conjectures that many of us have brought into as facts and truth because we are researching our knowledge. We are not researching our knowledge, so we take it as facts and truth. Our people have been described as primitive and uncivilized and uncultivated, yet it is said to be the cradle of civilization. Taught the Greeks all that they know, and they are the teachers of modern civilization in which we live today, the Greeks are. They define our ancestors as inadequate, derogatory, and prejudicial. They colonized our homeland, kept us from the world, and the world only knew us through their authority. So the world only knew our ancestors from the authority of the Greeks. They, they interpret our ancestors' spiritual life through the concept of anonism, which is a word derived from the Latin word anima, which means breath of life 
and carries with it the ideal of soul or spirit. Not the connection with the Bible. If we note this connection with the Bible, the translation from Hebrew to Greek, which is Latin, to English, we can see the concept and language was not our ancestors. No, their language, not their language or their linguistics. Our ancestor concept of spirit and their concept in the definition they gave to our ancestors' teachings are two ideals. They're different. The, the, the Greek definition and concept of belief in spirit was given by the meaning of animism. Animism. And they began to call our ancestors' belief system or spiritual teachings a religion. The term religion comes from the Latin word, root word re, which means back. And legion, which means to hold, to link, to bind. So therefore, religion means to hold back, to link, and to bind. This is what religion is in its root etymology. Religion then in Greek, Latin, is to hold back and to bind a thought. Religion is a concept that has man-made influences, such as images, Misunderstood signs and symbols develop into imagery, idols, and concepts taught as God. But the Creator never revealed such ideals. It was the Greeks who taught this signs and symbols and images as God. And today, we're still believing in that. Some of us who call ourselves studying Afrocentricity still talk like that. We're going to get into Amin Ra, Isis, and all these things in our lectures in the future to show how our understanding of that history and how the language was changed to give a new meaning to it that has confused us in one of the reasons why we still have not developed today. We can honestly say for the last 50 years that as African Americans in America, we are educated people. But yet, miseducated still. We're miseducated in our understanding of those principles and those laws. We understand them through our educational system or Greek myth uh, uh, mythological system of reasoning. The ancestors never taught that nothing was God in any form. That anything was God in any form. For he was unseen and hidden. This was the teachings of our ancestors. They believe in God to be unhidden, unseen, unquestionable, unknowable. They knew God through his creation, but they never said his creation was God. This teaching is the same as it is in the Quran in Surah 12 or chapter 112. It's titled Al-Ikhlas, the purity of faith. Verses 1 through 4. It states, Kulhu Allah ahead, Allah submit. It's translated, and this is an English translation, so there's this we're, we're going to give the best translation that we can to convey the best meaning that we can from the Arabic language. And it says, Say, He is Allah, the one, the only. Allah the eternal, absolute. He beget not, nor is he begotten, and there is none. Like him unto him. Again, the last verse says that there is none like unto God. Kuhullah ahead. There is none like unto God. Say, He Allah is one. Kuhullah ahead is one. 
And so therefore, none is like him. But yet you have people today saying that they are God, that they are like God because of their spirit. God is not no spirit. God is above that. Yo, you are a spirit, just like the angels are a spirit and the jinns are a spirit. And Shaitan, Satan, or the devil is a spirit. He's not a physical quality or a physical being. God is not in that. God is above that. But we'll get into that in our podcast uh, later on in the future as well for those who choose to uh, continue to, to, to uh, listen in. And in chapter 67, 12 of the Quran, it states, As for those who fear their Lord unseen, for them is forgiveness and a great reward. In the Quran, it says that Allah, the creator, is unseen. Here we see nothing is like God, as they say, in any way or hidden, unseen. But different than what many say today when speaking about the ancestry spirituality. Why? History explains how after Alexander the Great, as he is known by his conquered and conqueredness over Egypt or over the ancestors, he Hellenized our ancestors' teachings. The meaning and concept changed and defined and was defined as religion, as religion. So our spiritual teachings by answers was changed and redefined as religion. Now, what do this word Hellenize mean? Hellenize means to become Greek or Hellenistic in form or culture. We can see in the word Hellenize, we have hell, which is also a lower state of understanding. Now we can be, which, which, which hell is. Hell is the lower form of, of life. It's the worst form. It's the ugly form. It's the destructive form. If it's used in the wrong way, because hell can also be for purification. We know that when we take fire and we burn something in order to keep it from, to, to get it clean from any types of bacteria and so forth, in order to stick us with a needle, so on and so on, that we're trying to burn off any uh, elements that are dirty. So how now we begin to understand how our ancestors' spiritual concept was changed or concealed or interpolated with false meanings, with animism. As stated earlier, our ancestors did not separate their spiritual teachings from their practices. They were all one concept as Islam, as Islam teaches and, it's, and are called a way of life. So our ancestors' way of life was just like what we teach in the Quran. A spiritual system that is practiced is not separated. You don't have physical or, or social separated from your spiritual. Whereas the Hellenized concept of the Greeks separated the practice of what they call religion or spirituality from the everyday aspect of their life. Hence, we have the separation of religion and state. Religion is one thing, your state of affairs is another. Your religion don't govern your state affairs and your state don't govern your religion. So it's separated. Whereas in our African traditions and ancestral traditions, your entire life depended on your spiritual practices, which impacted your everyday living, no matter what you did. So it was also your political way of thinking as well. Your politics when you went from tribe to tribe, was not different. You acted on those moral principles that govern the righteous tendencies of your act. 
Hence the separation of religion and state. But I answer this practice was one called spiritual way of life and recognized and recognized the creator as hidden or unseen and unexplainable by man. This is what our ancestors taught, that God was hidden, that God was unseen, that he is unexplainable. And they didn't call him God. They called him the creator. It was the Greeks who came up with the terminology of God because God is also a Latin Greek word, not our ancestors word or our ancient ancestors word. So there is a difference. But because a lot of us learned about spirituality from reading the Bible, from reading other uh, books of what we call God or spiritual teachings from any type of institution that we call religion, we use the word God. But in Islam, we don't use the word God. We use the word Allah. And Allah means creator. It's a, it, it, uh, when, we, when you look at the word Al, Al means thee. And, and La means God or creator, and therefore we're saying the creator, the one, the only, the absolute. So this Hellenistic teachings was not our ancestors' teaching or ideal of spiritual beliefs. It was the Greeks. They interpreted our form of worship, called it a religion, and this led to the theory that single spirits existed over major departments of nature. This gave mankind the ideal of many gods, or man was God since he was given intelligence, which is called polytheism, the worship of many gods or the idols or animals as God. Man's, truth of, true, man's true worship of monotheism, the concept of one God, a concept Islam teaches, as well as our ancestors, was man's spiritual development and began with monotheism and moved to polytheism, then to animism as the transition of languages of a people became dominant in the lands and in the development of the world. And it, it's the Latin Greeks' uh, teachings that pretty much taught the world today. We know for a fact that it's the most strongest influence on the European world, all through Europe and America and Canada and so forth. Other cultures still maintain their own cultural beliefs as they learn uh, English, what we call English or Greek terminologies. As we move further, we, 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 we can see now that there were other terms used by the Greeks to label our monotheistic concept of spiritual truth. And they are dynamism, toism, fetishism, naturalism or neutralism, or as I say, naturism. This shows how much the Greek or present cultures and people care to understand our ancestors' practices and customs and spiritual concepts and principles. Allah says in the Quran, no schisms, isms at all. Allah says in the Quran in chapter 41, 52, who is more astray than one who is in a schism far from any purpose? A short review of history during this period of 2400 to, 20, to 2000 BC was the beginning of the Middle Kingdom in Egypt. This period is represented by the rise of Thebes with its magnificent temples and its introduction of the mysteries. A new deity, Amin-Ra, god of Thebes, presided around the 5th and 6th dynasties, who was given, who was Amin-Ra? He was originally the god of Ethiopia. Amin-Ra was Cush, the son of Ham. 
from whom the Cushites sprang. He was not one of the oldest deities of Egypt because he was presided by the gods of the age of Noah and Ham. He came after Noah and Ham, his father. During this period, the people defied their kings. They defied to, to make a god, to take an object of worship, to glorify as supreme work. This people during this time, they didn't believe in doing all that polytheism, worshiping many gods or taking a god as they god, or they defied kings. As, and, and, and take on objects of worship to glorify as the supreme work. The descendants of Cush sat upon the, the throne of Egypt. Now, the descendants, this, this, all this change came through descendants. This is why his name became predominant, a predominant shrine of Egypt. And its enrichment became the chief object of the pharaohs. Ammon or Cush was recognized as the chief god. Ethiopians or Cushites rejected the name Nubis, or Nubian, which some say means Negro today, as it was synonymous with slaves. Some say nigger. They called themselves Barabra, their ancient name. They were also known as Upper Noun Barabra, long before the name Egypt or Egyptian was even known or heard of. This is what our ancient forefathers who were Cushites doing the people of Ham. They did not accept this word Nubis or Negro as we say in Kemet. A lot of them say because Kemet would also descendants of Ham or Cush. And they say that the word uh, uh, that they use means black land. But we're going to get into that. Then, But it was not our ancestors that called themselves black people. They didn't have, they didn't call themselves black people because they, they only knew themselves. They, wasn't no, they didn't know other people. They didn't know Europeans so they came to Africa or what we call Africa today. They called each other by their tribal names. They didn't call each other, oh, that's a black man. That's a Negro. And the word Nubis was associated with slave or ignorant or Negro. They didn't like that name. But somehow we like to use the word Nubians today. How those who practice Afrocentricity or teach the spirituality of African or Afrocentricity are always using the word Nubian. And the new word they now is using Melanites. Melan. We can get all of that in this program as well. See, I take things to the root. How it became manifested, how it became to be. I just don't use these words. I got to know something about them. How did they originate? When you understand how a thing originates, then you understand their true purpose, their true meaning. And you don't have to depend on someone else's explaining it to you. That's the difference. So again, as we, we see in these Middle Kingdoms, the period is represented by the rise of Thebes, the son of Ham. And they defied making gods out of anything. This is why his name became the predominant shrine of Egypt and it, its enrichment became the chief object of the pharaohs and pharaohs began to call themselves Ammon or they took on Ra and so forth and so on and began to worship these uh, these concepts, these ideals these, these false truths Fat was before Ra, god of the Egyptian before the 5th or 6th dynasty it was Fat a Fat that was before Ra 
as the God of Egyptians. Or as they, again, Egyptians was not what they called themselves. That's what the Greeks called them. But many of our ancestral tribes consider the Creator to be omnipresent, which is everywhere, omniscient, which is all knowing, omnipotent, all powerful, and almighty. These were the essential aspects of his being, his unique essence. This is how they identified the creator. Now, nothing in creation has this uniqueness or likeness, not even man. So if man don't have, if man is not all-knowing, if man is not all-powerful, if man is not omnipresent, then he can't be like God. Cannot be like God. Man thinks that because he has a, a thinking, the ability to think. For some strange reason that he is a God. Yet he can't create anything. That will be here. And that will transcend time. Everything man created will cease to exist. In time. Or can be destroyed over time. When we look at it. It said those with essential aspects of his being. Was his uniqueness. This was the uniqueness of the creator. Those characteristics. Or those essence, I should say, not characteristics, but those essence. When we look at further, we examine how few of these tribes concepts on how they, how the spiritual concept form their beliefs of the creator. Let's look at a few tribal aspects. And we're going to call them by tribes. We're not going to call them by Africans. We're not going to call them by Egyptians. We're not going to call them because we know uh, through scripture, through history, that there were tribes that went into Egypt, what we call Egypt today. Some Hebrews say 12, some say 13, so forth and so on. Some say 9. All depends on, on where you begin in the history. So it was more than just one people or one tribe that went that formed what we call Egypt today. It was many, many tribes, multiple tribes. We know the Zulu and the, and you have to forgive me trying to uh, uh, ex uh, use this terminology, this well, I'm going to say African terminology today. Uh, Ban Yawanda tribe and the Zulu tribe. He is known as the wise one to be taken as he who knows or sees all. This is how these tribes acknowledge the creator. The Atkins know him as he who knows or see all. We say all seeing, but they say see all. The Yoruba tribe says only the creator is wise and he is the discerner of hearts who sees both the inside and the outside of human nature. This is how they describe the creator. The metaphor of seeing and hearing explains the concept of the creator as omniscience and in so doing it is not meant to say that God sees so therefore he has eyes he hears so therefore he has ears you can't take your eyes and ears as a, as a, as a straight uh, physical element of God's being. That would be correct. These are metaphors that explain the concept of the Creator's omniscience. The Barundi tribe says he is the watcher of everything, while the Ila tribe says his ears are long, meaning he has he hears all things, not that he actually has ears. Here simply means again that he knows all things. The Baganda tribe said he is the great eye which sees everywhere. They all regard him as omniscience, from whom nothing is hidden. The Bamun tribe 
express him as omnipresent. The, uh, the Yoruba and the Gombe tribe, Akan and Ashanti, they describe him as the creator is all-powerful and almighty. The creator's transcendence is expressed by the Bangkoka, Bangoga tribe, saying that he is made by no other, no one beyond him. There cannot be and there is none beyond the creator. They say he even defies human conception and description. And yet we have those today who gives a description, a descriptive form of God. Some say he's an arm, a leg, leg, or arm, a head. And they say that's Allah. Some say God is a man. Some have given him a skin tone. Some have given him white. Some have given him black. When God is not of no melanated nature, he has none of these elements in him. And even, even melon, does, even, the, even the element of melon is not black. Melon will produce black. But the element el melon itself is not black. It's unseen. You put it under a microscope and it's not going to look black. But it can produce black for a reason. Because in that particular area, you have to have dark skin in order to, to bear the, the heat and the, the light rays of the sun. Simple. When you look at the land of, of Kemet, that does not mean black people. It means black soil, black land. But our Greek archaeologists or our Greek scholars termed it black land. So now we as black people, when we study our ancestors' history, we say black people when that's not what it means. So again, we have some strong uh, research to do and clarification. Stop studying your history in Greek language, in Greek terminology, because our ancestors back then did not call each other black people. They called each other by our tribal names. The Indians in this country, we call them the red man, but they didn't call each other red man. They called it the Apache tribe, this tribe, that tribe. So their, their identity was based on their tribal name. Not on their skin tone. But we have not grown to that level of reasoning yet. So here we say, they say that God is simply the unexplainable. As the Gobi tribe would say, like to call him. He is beyond spiritual beings. The spirits, men, and objects. They're saying that the creator is beyond spiritual beings. They're saying the creator is beyond the spirits. They're saying that the creator is beyond men. They're saying that the spirit or the creator is beyond objects. And yet, we say, we study their teachings, but we come out of their teachings saying that God is a man, God is a spirit, God is this, God is that. Somewhere, we have a misunderstanding in our reasoning. The Gikuyu tribe says that the creator has no father. They said he has no mother. They said he has no wife. They said he has no children. He is all alone is what this tribe say. The Akan was one of one of the tribes in the upper Nile, which is the southern part of Egypt, which would be called the upper Egypt today. Today, we, and this is what the, uh, 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 the Akan tribe existed in. So they were not called Egyptians. 
These, they, these people wore Atkins. But the Greeks called them Egyptians. So let's find out exactly what the tribes were and what their belief system was in order to get the proper understanding of how they worship their creator. Today we say man is God or God came in the person of a man. Much of this knowledge was mistold by Hellenistic concepts of the Greeks transposing much of their views and created misinformation and falsehoods into our spiritual system. Truth can never be destroyed, but it can be concealed or hidden behind veils of ignorance. And this is what we have to begin to understand is the veil of ignorance, despite our education, is profound because all we did was went to their institutions and got educated by them. We didn't go further into the research to find out the connection beyond them. We take their research, their reasoning, their understanding and say, OK, this is the truth. But when you study African scholars, and I'm going to use the word African for lack of a better term right now, who and tribal scholars who are actually now beginning to teach in this century, in the last 50 years, they have been educating and they began to teach their own tribal teachings according to the way their people taught it. Now, when you start reading it from their perspective, then you'll get a better meaning of what their spirituality is all about. Right now, you're reading it from African-Americans who went to European schools or African-American schools who was taught by the indoctrination of European literature, Greek literature, Greek philosophy, Greek anthropology, Greek research. The fathers of modern day civilization, not ancient knowledge. There's a difference. And many of us who call ourselves Muslims, we make a strong effort. Who makes that effort to study the ancients who want to study further back? We want to go beyond with the Greeks because we know civilizations was existed beyond that. Before Egypt was Egypt, you had the Kushites who existed a thousand years before Egypt became Egypt. But many of us don't understand that. So what did the people believe before they became and was called Egyptians? What was their culture? What was their identity? Did they call each other black? No, they didn't. They called themselves Atkins. They called themselves Ashantes. They called themselves Zulus. They called themselves by these, these kind of names. And so therefore, those are the attributes, those are the qualities that we have to begin to, uh, you could say, study and research and begin to come into our own. But until the next podcast, I'm going to leave you as I came before you with the greetings of peace of Assalamu alaikum.